This is Colossus, and you're listening to The High Regard Show. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is The High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, don't get better than that. Nope, sir. The things we do for you listeners. Press buttons like a sausage-fingered freak. We don't listen to Tom talk enough. Oh, please. I got a hot mic here. Give me a beat. There you have it. You've been waiting for 10 minutes to say, give me a beat. Just by the microphone. I have, because like, wasn't it a Janet Jackson song? I don't know anything about Janet Jackson outside is of She's a Kid Touches Brother. Sister. Whatever. (laughs) Same thing. It doesn't really make a difference at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying. And you know I'm right. So the end. Welcome to this week's High Regard Show, our first in two weeks. (laughs) You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Someone got out of bed today. And look what happens. A whole a, a show happens. Tom graces us with his presence and we do a show. <laughs> Shh, don't give it too much away. We're going to use it for a segment so we can like <laughs> even kill some more it's time. Called, it's called foreshadowing in the business, Tom. Jesus, man. So, um, yeah, I guess here we are again. Here we are. Here we are. Not much has really changed on the... Uh, the old studio table. No, no, Since no. I've the been away. shit's piled up a little bit more, but you know, such is life. We're hoarders a bit of papers. Uh, but on a plus, one thing that has changed, because there was one change, we actually have a few interviews in the queue. We do, we do. I love that you said in the queue. That was very British of you. Is that a British thing? I think so, yeah. They're like, I'm in the queue. Like, it means like they're waiting in line at the grocery store. Like, oh. See, I think it's a computer thing, too. Otherwise, man. A computer thing? Yeah, like you say, oh, like you're in the printing queue. Like it's the next to go oh, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Because if it's not, then that just means these guys are just trying to act a little too regal for themselves. I used to work in a call center. Yes. And queue, we always we always had calls in queue. Oh, yeah. Which was just horrific. And you would just like look up and see like 150 calls waiting to be answered. And you're just like... Please just strangle me with my cord. Well, the good news is tonight you only have but one question in the queue, and that's what's rocking on your herd. You heard? This week's You Heard comes to us from 149th Street between Amsterdam and Broadway. They called the police before I could smack somebody. No, I'm not violent. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you pick that week? That you heard for this week now? Just because. Because I was going to smack you for taking <laughs> an hour to get this week's You Heard. Behind the scenes, I'm saying. Behind the scenes. Nobody will ever know that we just had like... At least four seven minutes, minutes. Four minutes of dead air. Of dead air while Nikki looked for your heart. This is what show prep is around here. When I'm hooking up the microphones and shit, I just keep getting, hey, are you almost done? Are we almost ready? Come on, let's go. It's getting late. Hurry up. We're going to record soon. We're going to record soon. We sit down a minute into a show. Four minutes of dead and air. I started panicking. Honestly, I started panicking as we were talking because I was like, oh my God, I don't have what you heard. <laughs> Well, just the fact that I get to smack you around we a little are. bit is good for everyone. You're welcome to try. You're welcome to try. Oh, yeah, okay. 
after Conor McGregor's melee at the Barclays Center last Aww. week, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm itching to see a fight. So bring it, brother. I don't think you'd really see much of it. You would just see a hand coming towards you, and then you'd like wake up and be like, is it over? <laughs> yeah, because you are not that like agile on your feet, Mr. Joe Palooka. I'll just wave at you from a bunch of pillows to see what <laughs> I'll, happens. I'll probably fall over anyway, so I it doesn't know. matter. I so know. that's this week's You Heard, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for your patience, Tom. <laughs> So now that the heavy lifting is over. <laughs> Hashtag don't smack Nikki is now trending on Twitter. If it's not, it should be. You ladies got enough requests in the oven. <laughs> Nikki's going to get smacked either way. So sorry. Oh, my God. Stop. Anyway, we have a guest this week. Yes, Believe we do. Believe it or don't. <laughs> but we do. And I'm really, really excited to share this week's show. I spoke to Felicity Seidel. Who yes. wrote a one-woman show called Lucky Chick, which, honestly, it is, you you have to see it to believe it, but it should tell you something when the description of the show is, yes, this shit really happened. <laughs> a solo show about guns, guys, Learjets, pythons, Hells Angels, and the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Basically, everything that is Nikki's dream life. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no joke. like my whole life, I've always like just wanted to just kind of like just live that nomadic like life with the band and just travel around and just chill out with Pablo Escobar because he looks so <laughs> cool on TV that, you know, he's probably cool in real life. Hey man, stranger things have happened, and yeah, it would have been stranger. Go and on. they've actually maybe kind of happened to Felicity, who, I know, whose life is just this wild ride that is it's funny, and she's fantastic to talk to, and she tells us all about the show, you know how the show came about, what it was like being plucked by the Grateful Dead at a show in Alaska of all places. Wait a minute, you said plucked. Plucked. Yes, okay, I just wanted to make... All right, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the terminology, man. And, she, I mean, like, Felicity grew up on the, like, mean streets of New York City back when, like, New York City was gritty and there was graffiti and gangs and it was just crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, like, and that's, like, visually, like, that's the New York... I mean, I love New York all the time, but... I particularly love just that gritty, gritty New York because I never got to see that. I never got to live on those streets. I mean, I'm really, really glad I don't have to live on that now. I was going to say, looking <laughs> back, it's glorious. Like, it's like, going, oh, my God, what a cool. different time. Yeah. What a different, like, it's just, just different times. You can get away with different things. As people who try to get away with as much as we possibly can these days, <laughs> uh, we would have really enjoyed, I think, yeah. old-time New York. We would have, yeah. On the flip side of that, the reality is the, the people upstairs walk too hard on the floor and we're like, fuck this, we got to get out of this building. This whole neighborhood's <laughs> falling to shit right now, seriously. Exactly, exactly. But Felicity tells us, you know, what growing up on the streets was like back then and how she might fare if she had to grow up on the streets of New York City today. And plus, you know, she, ta she tells us about, you know, life with Bob Weir a little bit. And coincidentally, 
Coincidentally. Coincidentally, I have a connection to Bob Weir because I happen to step on his nope. Birkin. Save it, save it, save it. Save it for what? Save it for after the interview. Okay. okay. I don't want I don't want your fantastic Bob Weir story competing <laughs> with our guest's Bob Weir story. Because seriously, these stories are like the Highlander. There can be only one per show. <laughs> So if you're gonna try to squeeze Felicity's in a second, definitely let's, let's split them. Let's because split them. My... Let's get one full story done, and then let's hear your story, and then we'll see which okay, story fine. is okay, more. Okay, fine, fine. What, fine. What's the word I'm looking for? More what? Electric. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Which story is more electric? Oh my God, Felicity's obviously. Well, well let, let's let let's let the audience decide. <laughs> right now, though. Do you wanna? Let's roll that fabulous bean footage, Tom. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the High Regard Show. We're really excited to have you. Let's start by, you know, telling me a little bit about how you decided to bring Lucky Chip to the stage. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> it's sort of a long process. I'll try to, um, I, I, I had sort of been carrying around three distinct, specific autobiographical stories in my head and my being for a long time. Um, one having to do with like having grown up in New York City at a, at a time where there was still like you know, Irish street gangs and Italian street gangs, right. gangs in Harlem, like a different, like a, just to the old New York. And I was a, kind of just a coming of age, 12, 13, whatever. And I, so I had this experience with those street gangs. And then there was a particular story where I tagged along on a convenience store robbery with one of the brothers in this gang. And I was, and so I thought, okay, that's one chapter. I have to write about that at some point. And then like cut to a, a couple few years later, I ended up in Alaska. Someone brought me up there to a Grateful Dead show. And um, I literally, I was working on this section yesterday in rehearsal. And I was like, this is just the weirdest story. Like, I've gotten used to this story. But sure, every time I stop and think about it, I go, this is just an insane story. Um, anyway, I was up there. I was like, you know, flailing around dancing at a show and I literally got plucked out of the audience by the band and asked to come backstage and I declined I was like no no thanks not interested um and it happened again the second night Steve Parrish came out I was like no no don't want to go back thanks <laughs> but no thanks and everybody's always like who says no I was like I said no I didn't want to go back I was too nervous I was like and then um I ended up at this hotel where a lot of people were and it turns out is where the band was staying and I was like tripping my brains out and I'm in an <laughs> elevator. I was like having a good time with all the rainbows and trails and the carpet and the chandeliers and I was like, well, I was all by myself. And this woman walks into the elevator. I do this in my show. I do this whole story, but like I, you know, I sort of paint this picture of being alone in the elevator with the Wicked Queen from Snow White because she was really tall and really intense. Um, <laughs> And uh, she literally looked at me and said, is your name Felicity? And I was like, uh, yes. And she grabbed me and dragged me out of the elevator and down the street and into a bar and like plunked me in front of Garcia and Weir and said, <laughs> here she is. And literally that changed the trajectory of my entire life. 
So I was like, I have to write about that. Like, that's a sure. weird story. <laughs> and then cut to some years later, I in the Bay Area, there was another sort of chapter with a big drug dealer boyfriend and a big drug bust that happened with, like, you know, cocaine, drug bust, guns drawn, like, the whole thing, like, cops showing up at the house in the middle of the night, this whole thing. So I was like, I have to write about that because I live, <laughs> live through that, too. And I was like, sure. Um, but I didn't quite have a sense of how they all fit together. Anyway, it, it was a long sort of a Bob story. I ended up meeting Matt Hoverman at Naked Angels, which is a theater company thing I'm part of for a long time, a cold reading series. Um, and when he had space for for me and his uh, solo show workshop, I I jumped at it. And, um, and that's really when the work began. Uh, and I had to, you know, write those three, and then I had to write a lot more, and I had to do a lot of kind of figuring out, like, what the story is. How, sure. what's this, you know, how does it all fit together? What's the arc of the story? And um, it's, it's tricky because life doesn't really present itself necessarily in a nice arc with a beginning, middle, and an end. With <laughs> sure. A, you know, so you got to kind of work hard to find that and make it all, all work. But, um yeah, so that was sort of the process of how it came to be, and then I got into the New York Fringe with it, and that was it. It was it's been off and running ever since. And how did you decide, you know, what story? I mean, it sounds like you've had one hell of a life. So how did you decide yeah. which of those stories to kind of fuck? Because you know, obviously, you can't make a play be like a thousand hours that you probably no tell your story. <laughs> It's really tricky, and like, I mean, I have like, I literally, it was like, what do I, what, what do I pick? I have a whole other thing of like being with the Clash up on stage with like all these cool graffiti artists painting up in the Tropicana. I was like, well, that just isn't part of the story, but it's a good story. Um, so I think it's, it was, it was definitely, um, it just took sort of getting a sense of what the, what the story was where who is the person that it's me but you kind of have to step back a little and right yeah you, you have to get out of the subjectiveness of the fact that it's you and whatever your your feelings your thoughts all of that you kind of have to step back and like see the character of you and evolve and see where it's going and you really have to pare it down you can't like the street gang thing is cool there was a lot of stuff to write about but you have to pick it was good to have one event that was poignant and where where something changed where something changed where something turned right and so that's kind of what I did was I picked those moment those things where something turned and changed and so it was a point along the arc and you could you know ratchet it up each time um and have it make sense so there were dots that that can be connected in an hour my show's one hour and it's you know it's packed. <laughs> it's action packed. <laughs> Just like your life. That's for yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then it goes out to Wyoming, which was a whole other thing. And I, I think I didn't really realize when I, until I started writing, like how much my time at John Barlow's ranch in Wyoming, like really changed my inner life. Um, right. So it was kind of through writing. It's been very interesting to sort of the process of it and yeah. rehearsing and, you know, now we're finding like I've been. I mean, I've performed it now some time, so I'm working with the same director, and we um we just found a whole new thing that's like it's in the writing. Like if I didn't write it, you'd think like, oh, that's so cool. The writer wrote it. 
I was like, but I wrote it, but I didn't write it thinking that that was what I, but he's like, but it was in there. You know, you wrote a transition and now we're discovering really what's in that transition. It's been totally interesting. So it's still kind of evolving since you kind of first started putting it to paper and performing it. It definitely is. The script hasn't changed, but the other thing that's kind of cool is I've had people come back and back to the show. I've had people come three times so far and people are returning again this next run. And the last time I did it, I had a number of people say, wow, you changed stuff in the script. And I said, no, I actually, I didn't change a word. (laughs) I just, the specifics of it, like in sections, it just starts to take on this new life and the meaning of it does. And, And so it sounds different. People, it starts to take a shape that people didn't see before. And they literally thought I changed the script. So it's totally, totally <laughs> interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, you said these people, some people come over and over again. And, you know, a lot of people are really excited about the show. Like, all, of all ages, you know, young kids, kids who, you know, maybe loved bands when they were, you know, kind of coming up too. What do you think it is that kind of just draws so many generations into your story? Um, I, well, certainly there's a, there's a group where there's, like a piece of nostalgia so I've had like a range of things like people seem to respond to really different things and like people will come in groups and then they'll go and you know they'll continue talking as a group about it it'll go on for days and some people who are parents you know like it really sort of touches something about how they're helicopter parenting and like watching (laughs) this story about this like freewheeling nut job who was like, I got this, I got this. And you're watching going, do you really have it? It doesn't seem like you do. I'm like, no, I got this. Um, so they're sort of talking about, like, their parenting. And I have other people who, like, spent a lot of time in clubs, in the, you know, in in the 80s, like, in the time of lots of blow snorting or whatever, and the music. And they were like, oh, it brought me right back. I love it. So, there's and then there's the rock and roll band thing and um all sure. people who relate to that. So there's some nostalgia piece for a certain age group, but um I think the really fun thing for me has been um also women women seem to women and men really like it, but women I think there's something about um this sort of renegade like wild character who's a female. Right, um, right. Like very much in in like boys clubs throughout the story, like kind of figuring it out on her own. And there's there's something that women really relate to in that. Um, that whether the content of their own lives is is like a little different, but they relate to the feeling of it. Right. And I think it's they enjoy have, going along for the ride in a story that I think usually would be reserved for like men to tell. I heard right. that's changing as women feel more like they can come out and tell whatever story they have to tell. My story is particularly nuts. Um, <laughs> and so I think women like it. But the coolest thing has been the young younger people who, um, you know, the 20-somethings or um, I have a daughter who came last year who, like, loved it. And it's just – it's cool for them to really – there's something universal. There's something in it that really speaks to, like – the heart and soul of like what a what a young woman's experience can be in the world right absolutely um, especially so. in a time when you know that you know, a woman kind of traveling around by herself getting into these kind of things where it's 
know, that really wasn't something that, you know, women did. And, you know, it seems scary to a lot of people, I'm sure. So I think it's really cool that you really have, you know, this little lucky chick side to yourself. That, yeah. You, know, you kind of came out unscathed and, you know, learning from that. Um, like, I know, you, you know, you mentioned, like, the dead and, like, your, your relationship with Bob Weir. You know, has he seen the show? Does he, like, what does he think about that? Um, he hasn't seen it yet because the timing hasn't overlapped where he's been in the city. But um, <laughs> but I, I hope it will because I think he would get a total kick out of it. Um, well, I play, I pretend I'm him as parts in the show, and um, I think that would be funny. But I also pretend I'm Barlow. And there was a whole, you know, that summer out at the Barcross Ranch was sort of an epic summer in a lot of people's books. It was really a crazy one. And um, they were writing um, Hell in a Bucket and throwing stones that summer out there. So I, I remember that. I just remember laying around on the floor. They were kicking around ideas. Whiskey was getting drunk and songs <laughs> were getting written. So I think he would enjoy um, hearing some of it. But um, um yeah, he's been cool. I mean, we talk about it. He's been, you know, he likes to hear about it and is, is totally supportive of it. And, you know, um, if there's ever anything, like, going up on social media or whatever, I'll run it by him first just to make sure, you know, I just... Right. It's, like, weird writing about people that are still alive. Right, whether you're, right. And, and And especially if you're still friends and, you know, and they're important and matter and, you know, but even if you weren't still friends, people are important and then matter if if they're alive. So I think, you know, it's like a fine line. It's like, it's your story and you get to tell your story, but at the same time, um, I think being sensitive and including people just, you know, is a good, is generally a good thing. So. Sure. Sure. Definitely. And, you know, you kind of, you know, this, this wild life of yours kind of started on the streets of New York city, you know, with all the changes happening here, you know, how much different do you think your experience would have been these days if you were you know, kind of coming of age in this New York that we have. Right oh now. my God, wouldn't have happened. It couldn't have happened. <laughs> I mean, there's just no way. It's so different now. Like, I mean, every everything's different now. But I was thinking about like, um, <laughs> I feel like that period of time in New York, there was like it. Was, I mean, I think also people tend to romanticize it a little bit because it had a little bit of like. West Side Story vibe because of the gangs and the rumbles, like that was right. still going on. And, um, you know, the city was like covered in graffiti. It was like the city out of um, the French Connection or the Conversation, two of my favorite movies. But like that painted a picture of New York City. Those two movies painted a very specific picture of New York City that was really run down and um, so specific, like just no, like no other place was like it. But the other piece of it was that um, I feel like a, a real feature of it was that, like, everybody's parents were divorced mm-hmm. and everybody's mother was a bit of a, like, the the dads were gone and the mothers were a little bit of, like, train, train wreckage. <laughs> and so, like, everybody's mother had, like, pills in their cabinets. And, I mean, right. at the time, we weren't thinking about, like, oh, no, she's having a hard time, and she's, like, taking mother's little helpers to try and get through. We were like, what do they have in this cabinet? Who's got that cabinet? You know, so we we weren't thinking, but, like, woohoo! And so we were raiding everyone's cabinet, and we were all left alone to, like, you know, just make it up as 
as we right. saw fit, which is like a terrible idea with young teenagers. <laughs> like it's a bad fucking idea. Part of my language there. Oh my god. So <laughs> I hope you can bleep there. Um, oh no, we don't bleep. We're good. <laughs> okay, good, awesome. <laughs> so and I just, um, I just, I mean, there's a lot of. Um, good stuff that's going on today, a lot more conscientious parenting and, you know, women are in a better position, young girls coming up are in a better position, but um, it was a total free-for-all back then and I think kids at an, you know, like kids in the movie kids, that age kids, like they were just sort of left to like do on their own and so it was really fun and really free in a certain way but it was also really dangerous and precarious and um and and wild but but a place where incredible adventures could happen also terrible things could happen and some people could end up in a bad way but sure but also something like ending up in alaska and getting fucked out of the audience and like having your life go in this totally crazy other direction were possible and right. I'm not so sure now. I feel like um, even the wonderful advent for parents of, like, cell phones and being able to, like, give your kids some freedom but stay in touch at the same time. And I think people generally do a better job of, like, parenting and staying involved with your kid's life. I think that's the better way to go. But it it just it changes what's possible. Sure, sure, absolutely. On the horizon of crazy, you know. um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from that time, you know, do you have regrets from anything that you, you know, did or the way that you, you know, kind of went through life at that time? Like, as you look back now? I mean, that's sort of a, it's a tricky question. Because I look back and I think of, um, I I generally have a sense of like a lot of it being really fun mm-hmm. um and adventurous and uh it's sort of why I just went back up to that old neighborhood and walked around cuz we were shooting some video and I was like oh my god and then this and oh my god and then that <laughs> probably if I stop and like you know like really started to break it down and think about it there it it was also difficult and I think you know um, maybe having, you know, like, like the family scene I have now is, is like, I'm kind of getting it now. I'm getting it now because I have kids now. So I kind of get to like create that, um, happy connected vibe where everyone's safe and everyone's connected and we have a good time. We do this and that. That was not my scene growing up. I found that out on the streets. You know, I found that out on adventures. I found places that felt sort of on my fingers are doing quotes like home, like a home i wouldn't if my kid found that as a home i'd be like you get in here you're not hanging out with those people but right. so i don't really have i don't i wouldn't say regret i would say there's you know probably it could have gone other ways that would have also been nice to think back on but i'm not right. sure my life I, I think the adversity um and that growing up hard and fast and, you know, young is what got me set, ready to to go. And without that, I I just wouldn't have, like, I was just ready to take a bite out of life really young. And so I was like, yes, 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 I'll go. So that and, wouldn't have happened. So. And how much, do, you know, of that, that past life do your kids know? Because I know that, you know, our teenager would probably throw it in our face and be like, well, you guys got to do this. Why can't I, you know? So. Yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> um, I I 
I mean, I wouldn't let, so um, I wouldn't let either of them come to the show. They they definitely look at me as a trusted resource because I, um, I'm pretty direct as a person and I, sure. um, I, and I believe, you know, I always answer truthfully. Like I, I sort of decide, like, I don't say everything about a situation or about a, in response to a question or about my life, but they they know enough they know my they know my general character is sort of sure still very upbeat and fun and they know I've lived some life and at this point um Daisy came to see the show last year um she seemed all know but they've been watching me work on it so they've been they've been watching me write they've been watching right. me get a lighting design or work with a director you know get a scenic design like costumes like putting a show together they've been watching me rehearse they've been uh, so they've really seen this process over time um and i thought like that's kind of what's current like the stories are old but the work is current right. and i think there's a good message and like you know and this is part of what as you know i'm working with girls right now i'm like excited yeah. to talk to them about like you know you can take whatever you know shit you've been through in life however like horrible it is or great it is or embarrassing it is or you know shameful you feel about it, whatever you can that's your stuff man that's your creative like right clay to play with and so I just felt um Daisy was taking a nonfiction writing course last year and she read um Joan Didion's Slashing Toward Bethlehem, where she goes on about like ending up in the Haida Ashbury and right with like everybody in the '60s and drug, you know, like drugs that were even like wackier than the scene I was in. And she loved it, and she she's really got her feet on the ground. Like she's a rock solid person. Like I wasn't worried about her um, going off the rails at all. She's not like that. Her personality is just really steady. So. Um, I finally just said so we talked so much about nonfiction writing and about how you can play with it and use language and all kinds of things to kind of pop it and bounce it into whatever fun place you want it to be. It doesn't have to be boring and, you know, nonfiction, blah, blah. Like, right. it doesn't have to be like that. So then I thought, you know what, I'm going to let her come see the show. And she loved it. She was like, oh, my God. She goes, I was like, Mama, I thought it was going to be so much work. Like, really? <laughs> the Colombian drug cartel? That's not great. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, cocaine, heroin, LSD, that's not great. <laughs> so, um, and then there's that. <laughs> and then there's that. How old is she? She um, She's just turned 16 a few days ago. So, And Enzo's, I think he's going to come this year. He's 13 and a half, but... He, um, I just feel like they're ready because they know the stories. I sort of right. read them in the script. I read lines that I think might be, you know, there's a loser boyfriend in there as well as, like, trying to get me here or there to have sex. Like, I read that ahead so they're not in the space going, oh, mama. Yeah, so right. we, we debunk it first. So, um, and yeah. I mean, it seems like you have so much going on, you know. So what does downtime look like for you? Like, how do you kind of chill out? Oh my God, I'm I'm um, I'm in need of some downtime now. But um, <laughs> I I I get my like um, hour plus. I practice yoga regularly, and I ha like it's really important for me, or because it's just like this hour hour and a half where I actually can like get a break. Right. Um, 
And I just tried surfing for the first time. I got up on the board three different oh, days. Fun. I was like, this is fun. I was like, I can't get hurt. No surfboard in the face. I don't want stitches. I'm about to... So, um, and generally speaking, I find it, it's just a, a solo show is really, really, really a lot of work. It's um, mm-hmm. It's not like doing a play. It's not like doing someone else's writing where you're just, getting to do the play pretend part like it's it's tough um it feels very there's something very exposing about it because it's your story you wrote it I always have a harder time reading you know doing readings of something I wrote because right. I don't know there's something so vulnerable about writing so um it's tough and then you're producing you know you've got it's like your whole thing like I have awesome people working with me this 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 team that we've built out over time um, is is like fantastic, um, but I I I kind of oversee the whole thing, so it's it's hard. And like now I I'm dying to just get into the rehearsal room and just do that, but I can't. So right, right. Um, so it's a little challenging. So my downtime is hard to come by right now. I can't say I'm sleeping a lot, but I get that hour <laughs> plus in the yoga room and that works. And it, and it reinvigorates you. <laughs> it does. It does. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. all that I have for you, Miss Felicity. Thank you so, so much for speaking to us. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to see the show. Okay, I'm wowed by two things. That conversation with Felicity and the fact that Tom let me say bean footage this week. <laughs> That's how much energy I have. Like, seriously, I feel like right now I'm talking like I'm on speed. Like, do I come off like I'm talking yeah, like I'm on speed like, or something you know, like that? Yeah, more energetic than I usually see you. Because I feel like if I don't get it all out fast, I'm just going to, like, pass out on you. So I'm just, like, throwing it all at you at once. That's <laughs> And then I'm just going to start pressing all the buttons. Once I, all the buttons. Once I fall down, you can press whatever you want, and I won't know until probably Wednesday <laughs> when I look at the table and say, what, God are forbid. we still set up? God forbid. But how awesome was that conversation with Felicity? It was completely awesome. And I feel like, seriously, I've known her in the past. Not necessarily her, per se, but... A lot of people like her because that's closer to my generation. Like you were able to do stuff like right, that and right. run into like, you know, band people and sports people and stuff like that. I mean. And just fall in with these type of crowds. Yeah, like yeah, definitely. And people are more open. And I think like with technology and stuff, especially now where people can kind of keep to themselves but still reach the outside world without mm-hmm. having to actually reach out to people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, and she does get into that with like how cell phones has made like parenting easier where, you know, maybe things would have been different if she was coming up today with those kind of things. Like maybe she wouldn't have done the things that she did. But you know what? She has a really great fucking story that she tells and like and people are enjoying it and I'm enjoying it and I can't wait to see the show because I love that whole world because I lived a really, really sheltered life. Like I really did. I mean... If my parents could have kept me locked in my bedroom at age 40 right now, I think that that probably would be... I was going to say, there wouldn't be a bedroom anymore. It would be one of those tiny houses. Like, honestly, like, <laughs> seriously, like, they... Before we met, they were, like... Because when, like, the Katrina houses, when they had, like... Like, companies were making, like, Katrina houses. And they were just, like, these small little things that you could just, like, re- 
put on the property where like there was already stuff and everything and they were like oh what if we build this in the backyard i'm like oh my gosh like these two houses are kind of cute and then i'm like do i really want to do that no well if i wasn't around you'd be like do you honestly like ever wonder is she gonna come home or are they gonna just like chain her up in the room when i go i'm not worried about it because i know you'll chew out (laughs) of the knots and you'll find your way back so i'm not worried about it i do have sharp teeth (laughs) that's it you got a fang on each side you'll make it through and you'll wind up back here again so i'm not really worried about like them trying to i expect them to but like i said i am sure you'd find a way to escape so it's like whatever yeah yeah Plus, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, whatever. How, how do we get on this now? Why don't, don't we go back to... Because, like, just how different my life, my upbringing was to Felicity's, you know, like... Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, apparently very different. It was but, very different. But, you know, my as goodness. far as, you know, her and yeah, I, I feel why... like we're a lot closer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like a lot of the stories. Because being here in a city during, you know. Well, I mean, not like then. I was going to say. But I was going to. But I would say I started coming here like mid to late 70s. Well, like mid to late 70s is when I was here where I can actually remember things. And then by the 80s, I was coming here on my own. So. Running wild. Yeah, running wild. Going to see dirty movies on 42nd Street. Going to see dirty movies on 42nd Street. Buying my drugs in a moving place on Mott Street where you would. Just pay cash, and they'd ring them up in the cash register. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it was a different New York. It was so much more, you know, just what you've seen on TV. Right, right. What people think it's going to be now. Right, of course. Is what it was then. But now, if you went came to New York, it's like going... It's not that same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have to keep your money in your shoe because you're going to spend it before you get across the street. <laughs> so don't even bother putting right. it there. Right, absolutely. Well, you know, I just wanted to say thank you to Felicity because I thought that was a great conversation. Again, I can't wait to see the show. Um, we're going to check it out in a week or two. Yes, and I heard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get the boy out of the house for this. I heard. So, wow. but anyway, I just want to tell quickly my little anecdote about Bob oh, Weir. Yeah, 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 because that's right. Which, like, I'm almost, re- I'm very reluctant because it's not even very exciting, but it's just my little, like, tidbit that I like to tell. Tell me when... You were whisked away by Bob Weir. <laughs> like, tell me how it worked out. It was in the basement of the Sherman Theater in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. It and has we... potential already. <laughs> and we got to meet him after a rat dog show, which is like his solo band. Yes. And we got to have a picture, and I'm wearing the Threadbare Steal Your Face t-shirt that I had since 1995 in high school. This was in, like, maybe 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And we're getting the picture taken and we're ready. And I didn't realize that the picture was getting snapped. And I moved and I stepped on his Birkenstocked foot and then have this face where I'm like in like a face in the picture. And that is my meet Bob Weir moment story. And it was ridiculous. I feel like we need to put a poll up on our social media and see like which one had the better story. <laughs> like who played it I was bad. very upfront about it. I was just trying to find common ground just to say like hey man like this is you know this was something that I was interested in that's why like this because these were bands that I really really liked growing up so right. you know there was like a common thing that I was interested in with hearing Felicity's story all right so thanks for shaming me Tom why don't oh, we get into no. the potsy now oh well thanks for shaming me Nikki <laughs> Woo! 
And that's this week's Shibatsi. <laughs> it's Japatsi. What's going on? Uh, we made sauce this week, so we did. So we've got we've got spaghetti on the mind. Right. <laughs> All right. So I mean, really, honestly, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, you haven't heard a show in the last two weeks. What do you think that has to do with? Yeah. All right, geniuses. There, there it is. I mean, seriously, things aren't going great right now. No, no. They're, they're definitely, the health situation is a little bit on the downswing right now. It most certainly is. Um, and how's that making you feel? Tired. Tell me about your mother. I'm tired. I'm very, very, very tired. I'm literally, and it's not even that I'm asleep. I'm not even sleeping a lot. And I know this because. It's just that you can't move. Like you can't get yourself out of bed. That's what it is. Because I mean, seriously, I am awake enough to get my stand goals on my Apple watch. And you're obsessed with it. His goal is to get 24 hours, well, I will which I think is absolutely hours. ridiculous, which I think. It's ridiculous. I've gotten 22 on like four different occasions. That's not something to be proud of. It is. For people who can't get out of bed and do anything to find a day where you can actually. (laughs) To cheat by shaking my wrist around while my girlfriend is sleeping in the bed next to me because Mm. she has to be up early in the morning. Or while I'm sitting in front of the window taking my medicine and eating cheese doodles. Whatever it is, (laughs) it doesn't make a difference at the end of the day. As long as I get those steps in, those stands, that's all that matters at the end of the day but seriously it takes that much energy or i feel like the amount of energy that i have is enough to shake my wrist for one minute to get a stand goal on the apple watch that's about where i'm at right now. and that's the extent of it yeah so and i don't know what to say about it people said it's going to get worse before it gets better and it's definitely, <laughs> definitely doing that for sure. Well, then I feel like we are uh, right on schedule where we need to be then. Mentally, you know, how how does it how does it feel? Because I know that sometimes, you know, and we've talked about this the last week or so, just how I'm starting to have some kind of just Mental pressure breakdown. issues, <laughs> pressure issues, for sure. Because, you know, when, when you're the partner of someone who's going through something, it's it's hard to keep it together. When you see them suffering, it's hard to keep the focus, you know, kind of just remember to take care of yourself, too. And absolutely. And that's something that I'm really, really struggling with right now. And it's and I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. And you probably are. I think I am. I think I I am. No doubt about it. (laughs) And, you know, it's just it's it's a lot, you know, and it's yeah, man. But when we have our good days like today where we could go and do something together, like even if it was just something ridiculous like going to Target, it was some, it was the first time that we were out of the house together in quite some time that wasn't just taking Kona for a walk or, you know, going around the corner to like the deli or something like that. Like that was our first big outing in, in quite some time. And it really wasn't that big because, you know, I feel like we just had the list. We got exactly what we needed to and got the hell out. Like fast. it's not our normal Target run. Where we go just up and down every single aisle everywhere. Right, no, we, we were just str- like, we were very strategic. We were very strategic, but yeah. we were also like we came back and we're like, oh my god, we're dead. <laughs> uh, so dead, so dead. We'll pay for that later on in the week. But we I mean, will. you know, like whatever. Right now, it's what it is. Mentally, I feel like you're taking it worse than I am because, you know, I don't know why. It's finally caught up to you. I think with me, <laughs> I just accepted it for like. I feel like for months now where I'm like, oh, it's going to get worse. That's it. Where I, you're seeing it. You know what I mean? In my head, I'm not seeing any difference because I've been expecting right. this. Okay. Fair enough. So, you know. Um, so that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. And that's all I really want to say about it because I feel like 
I don't really have a lot to offer as far as, hey, man, if you also have, you know, this situation, here's what you should do. I right, don't yeah. have a remedy for anybody. If anybody right. has one, please feel free to send one. <laughs> I mean, I've been doing the pickles. I do like extra salt in things. All my snacks now have salt in it. Yeah, but at the definitely. end of the day, yeah. it's like, you know, whatever. But I think that just showing that, like, you know, being honest, it's like it's not going to be like, oh, every day is a little bit better or whatever. It's like a lot of days are going to be worse. A lot of days are going to be worse. And then when you have like that good day, just kind of take advantage and just run with it and do as much as you can to help you make you feel like you feel yourself. Well, that's the one thing that I mean, maybe Target wasn't the best thing for us to do to like, like maybe we could have done something else. But like, <laughs> it was something that we needed to do. I wanted I needed clothes. Because right, yeah. again, with the more losing weight, more right. losing weight. I mean, I got I had to go out and get clothes. I couldn't do that without trying them on. It was like today was finally the point where I was like, I just got to go and do yeah. it. So let's just go and do it and get it done with. Yeah. But I mean, you know, on these good days, man, I've told you, I was like, I don't care if I'm taking the dog out on a good day and she wants to trot and I run. I'll do it in the grass just because I want to run. And if I fall over and I'm going to land in a pile of grass or leaves and get right. mud on me, I don't give a crap. Because I can be walking and fall down on a cement and get more hurt by the time it's all said and done. So I might as well take her out and like make her do some work too. Why do I got to do all the workouts <laughs> while she gets just trot around at a slow pace? <laughs> so. Yes, so that's basically that. I mean, maybe next week I'll, you know, be able to say more. But right now it's a rough patch. It's a rough patch. But the good news is because of our upcoming interviews that we have over the next couple of weeks, yeah. over the next three weeks, yeah. um, we're going to be forced to do the show, which is good. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, even if we have to hook up microphones from the bed, it's going to happen. I think we'd both prefer that anyway. Oh, yeah. Remember when it used to be the couch? Yeah. I feel like we've upgraded. <laughs> we've, we've upgraded. upgraded. We've upgraded for sure. <laughs> so I think that's it for this week's Ponzi. All righty. And thus, with the end of the Potsy, comes the end of the show. I think you're going to say the days of our lives. I'm like, let's I know. I was ki- that's why I kind of like, I did it in that like voice. Like, oh. The days of our lives are coming to an end. <laughs> well, God forbid, Jesus. Well, eventually. I mean, what are you going to do? All right, okay, all right, enough. Enough It's darkness. <laughs> darkness, everybody, darkness. <laughs> well, thank you so much again to Felicity. I cannot wait to see Lucky Chick, and you should definitely, definitely check it out. Yes, Felicity, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm sorry, you, did not get, you and I did not get a chance to chat, but, you know, Nikki is like my mediator, so... There you have it. Exactly. I tell him what he needs to know. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And if you want to know more about Lucky Chick, you can visit luckychick.nyc or, of course, you know, find out more information in the show description as per usual. Yes. And if you would like to learn more about The High Regard Show, check out the website at highregardshow.com. And, of course, you can always email any questions or comments or suggestions on what kind of salt products I should be eating this week to highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can also join in on the fun on social media by following at highregardshow. And of course, if you're in need of like the cutest thing ever, you need to follow our studio manager and rescue Pitbull Kona and her crazy antics as the Kona persona on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I take four shots of Kona persona every single day and it's not even prescribed. <laughs> 
And that's this week's show. So thank you, everybody. Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>